Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello everybody and welcome to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. My name is Peter. Hello Peter. Hello Ben, how are you? I'm okay, thank you. You enjoying the sunshine that appears to actually have just gone today? It's just gone. It was a lovely day. It was probably the nicest day. Well, certainly the nicest day of the year yesterday at time of recording, if not for, I don't know, since the end of last summer. Um, it was, uh, I went out in the evening because I didn't get my walk-in during the day because I was a bit busy with work. So I went for my government-approved walk in the evening. And oh boy, it was like 17 degrees, clear skies, birds singing, mm. just, oh, it was lovely. I really enjoyed it. And now the sun's gone. Scott, I hope you made the most of it. I did. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I have been trying to make the most of the weather, you know. I did um I did pop into the office yesterday. Yeah, yeah you did. I made the uh made the the journey there to get some stuff that I needed because I we I went into self-isolation before we were all told to work from home, so I never got a mm. chance to bring some things back with me that I really needed to. And so I went and got those and I've been, you know, I've locked myself back up again and I'm all safe and sound. But it was so lovely walking to work in the sunshine. Mm. Really, yeah. really nice. However, was it really quiet as well in the streets? Nope, <laughs> definitely wasn't. No, nope. oh, no, lots of people, lots of people walking around, which seemed uh. not great. Lots of traffic as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that all seemed very weird. It didn't seem that dissimilar from before all of this happened. Oh, God. That's not uh, good. But that's the first time I've been over that direction since since it has happened. So it's been very quiet around where I am. Um, yeah. However, you're probably not going to see that much sunshine if you're stuck inside playing games all day. Hey. Which is exactly the kind of thing that we're going to talk about today on this here video game podcast. We're sponsored. We're always sponsored by a different company every single week. And Peter has the ad read right there in front of him. Yes, uh, this week's uh, sponsor is uh, it's it's the the brand new, recently revealed at time of recording, Microsoft Sony multifaceted video game controller. Have you seen this new controller that's come out that 
apparently looks exactly like an Xbox controller, but is also a PlayStation controller. No, what is this? Oh, well, apparently everyone thinks the new PlayStation controller, that is definitely not just a PlayStation controller because it also works on your Xbox, it looks just like an Xbox controller. Uh, and that's that seems to be the only discourse that's happening right now about the new PlayStation controller that's just come out. So uh, I wanted to reveal exclusively that it's actually, you know those really like bad knockoff um uh, back back in the day, you used to be able to get really bad knockoff controllers that would like uh, work for your like stereo and your TV and your like anything that could take a remote control. You could program them all into a single thing. Yeah, yeah that's what it is. Sony have revealed exclusively to us that mm. uh, that that controller works for everything, and that's why it looks just like it is is perfect for an Xbox One. So. Um, I, I, today we're sponsored by the new multi-format gamepad from Sony. Fantastic. That's a huge scoop. It is a huge scoop. Yeah, it's a big one. It's a big one. Um, it's almost as big as the lie that I just told Whoa. you. Whoa. Oh, my goodness me. You, you got me. I got you good. You really did. I genuinely thought that it was a an Xbox PlayStation controller. Well, you would do if you've been reading Twitter for the past few days. Yeah. Got him. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> uh, we're actually sponsored by the wonderful folks over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump, where if you go and support us for as little as 25 cents a week, that's $1 a month, you can ask questions on this podcast. We have other tiers available. We understand that it's a trying and strange time. And uh, financially, it might not be easy for you to support us. And those of you that do, you're, you're, you're bloody amazing. And if you're able to give any more, we have different tiers available where you get different rewards, like early access to certain things and so on. So go and check those out, patreon.com forward slash team triple jump to ask questions on this show, just like, Peter, just like. Just like MacIver the Mark. <laughs> MacIver the Mark has asked a question. MacIver the Mark says, hey, boys. Hope you're doing okay in these strange times. Is there any game series or standalone game that you feel is essential for people to play? That can be due to either gameplay mechanics, story, revolutionary new ideas, or just because it's damn fun. The first game that comes to mind for me is To The Moon, a beautiful RPG maker game that made me truly appreciate storytelling in games as a medium. Good question. Um... One that immediately came to mind for me was The Last of Us. Um, I think that there are a lot of uh, very good PlayStation-exclusive, mostly linear, um, you know, single-player narrative games out there. Lots of really good ones. But, you know, I think the cream of the crop is still The Last of Us in terms of the emotional gut punches and uh, the the general gameplay as well, and the design, you know, just the the overall polish. I think you know it's a fantastic game, mm-hmm. and I I really think that anyone, so anyone who came to me and said I've just got a, a PS4, what game should I play? Uh, that is one that I would I would say if you've if you never played The Last of Us, you know, on your on your PS3, play The Last of Us Remastered on your PS4, and broader still, if an alien came to me and said, oh, I've got a machine that can play any of your current-gen video games, 
you know, I would still say, well, play The Last of Us, you know, even though you can play other stuff from other consoles, definitely get that one played because it's a good game. Um, so I think in terms of, yeah, storytelling is up there. And that, that, I think that's indicative of storytelling. Mm. Outside of that, though, I would say, I, I honestly, I mean, I'm very biased, you know, I really like my old PlayStation games, um, but I, I really do think that it's worth always uh playing one of the at least one of the crash bandicoot games um in in your early gaming life i think it's the kind of thing that teaches you you know how to move around in a 3d platformer it it's it's got all the kind of it's got loads of basic mechanics but it's not it's not overwhelming i just think it's a good little starter game for Mm -hmm. people to get into so yeah i think maybe i don't know i mean crash 3 is my favorite one but you know any of them are good so yeah those two, I think. Excellent. I have a question about the aliens in your hypothetical situation. Yes, yes. Would they have any concept of, uh, you know, guns and the emotional <laughs> connection between humans? Would they be able to truly appreciate the magnitude of what happens in The Last of Us? Or are they actually very empathetic creatures? Maybe, maybe I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, really, the aliens are just placeholder for someone with a, someone with a, with a device. I guess... In place of aliens, I could have just said someone who has just bought all of the current gen consoles. <laughs> but for some reason in my head, it had to be a single machine that could run everything. Right. So therefore, it had to be an alien. It has to be an alien. I mean, yeah. the, the the idea, the concept of a person buying every single games console <laughs> having never played anything before is so outlandish that they have to be from not this world. It's more alien than the actual notion of aliens coming with a magical current-gen console machine. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, there yeah. we go. I think that's what MacIver was asking for uh, about the aliens. Mm-hmm. So we, we covered that. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about you? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got a few here. Uh, again, talking about things uh, from, from sort of your childhood. And I feel like almost a building block from which to start your your video game playing journey I'm going to have to say one of the early Pokemon games, probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. Red, blue, or yellow, something like that. For example, if there were some, some sort of alien who came down and yeah. had uh, no experience of games, which is a concept so unwieldy that they must be an alien. Mm-hmm. And they said, where do, I, where do I start? Maybe they're a small alien. Maybe they're sort of uh, an, an infant alien. Uh, a Babelian. A Babelian. Thank you very much. Then. We were getting there. And... Um, and they asked, what, what, where should I start? I would start them on something like that. Because yeah. those sorts of games, you know, people can go back and play them now if they want. And they've not aged poorly by any stretch of the imagination. However, if you start off playing Fortnite and then are sat down with a Game Boy Color and a copy of Pokemon Red, yeah. you're not going to be as impressed just inherently. There's, <laughs> you can't do that mm-hmm. to, a, to a kid. I mean, a Babelian. Um so I would start someone off on that personally. Uh, in terms of other, get like a more recent game. I think Batman Arkham Asylum is just such a phenomenal game, and a game that didn't even score that like ridiculously well. I don't. I think it got it got reviewed very well, but it didn't. I think it was like high eighties. It wasn't considered a, a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, I feel like it it's aged very well in terms of its the way it's laid out. It's Metroidvania style of gameplay where you're returning to areas later on with new gadgets to get to different areas. But it never feels overwhelming. You can always sort of tell where you're meant to go next. And 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 it still funnels you through 
with these amazing characters and this storyline that's genuinely interesting and you want to see what happens next. Mm. Uh, there's very little time where you're just sort of running around not knowing what you're meant to do. The combat is great, even though you're just sort of pressing square a lot. It just feels really good. Even if you're not like a huge Batman fan, I'd still recommend playing this game. Yeah. So I just think it's I just think it's a phenomenal video game. Uh, and finally, if I was to go with sort of the artsy fartsy route, similar to to the moon, as MacIver mm-hmm. the Mark says, I'd probably yeah. say What Remains of Edith Finch. Oh, okay. Because that, yeah. in my mind, next to perhaps Journey, is one of those games that I think proves that video games can be art. Um, because it's beautiful and the story it tells is just like heartbreaking and uplifting and a complete roller coaster, but it's absolutely fascinating. And I loved every minute of that game. You just go room to room in this old house, experiencing the story of the person who used to live in it. Mm. And each one is like a different kind of mini game or presented from a completely different visual style. There's one where you're playing as a cat, jumping from uh, tree branch to tree branch. There's one where you're sailing a little boat around trying to avoid uh, certain obstacles and stuff. It's just it's just really good. It's just a really good game. I think that one is one that I would say, at least certainly one that came out in the past few years, that everyone should play if they want to, want to experience an amazing story in a game. Oh, it's funny because I, I thought about maybe saying Journey as well in, in, a, in an artsy-fartsy kind of way. And, uh, you know... Talking about uh, what remains of either Finch, uh, for a question that's coming up, I've got some slightly similar games as an answer to a, a, a question that's on its way later in the podcast. Oh, Ooh. my God. That's, mm, okay. that's what a spooky time that is. Mm, yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that question. Peter, it's time to move yeah. on to a section that's yes. so groundbreaking that they've actually mm. had to separate us by two counties. Oh, oh I think probably... Oh yeah, no, it probably is two counties. Is it? Yeah, that was, was a complete say, guess, but it might... I was going to say probably more, but actually no, it might we might only be might in the be, next might be one right? county. Yeah, I don't know. Possibly. Either way, <laughs> there's a huge geographical distance. Yeah, well, yeah, what, whatever. I don't know. I t- let's pull up a map. No, let's not pull up a map. Okay. <laughs> let's just move on. It's what we play in time, Peter. What were you playing? I been playing Star Wars. This week, and oh my God. I'm enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. I knew I'd enjoy it a lot, but mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it even more than that. Um, and which Star Wars is this? This is Star Wars Jedi Knight Jedi Academy, which mm-hmm. is a terrible, clunky title, um, especially when you're trying to put in your colons and your hyphens when you write it out. Right, it's, you would have thought uh, Jedi Academy would give you all the information you'd need. Yeah, um... I mean, it's because it's part of the Jedi Knight series, which uh, itself is in the sort of Dark Forces uh I love Dark Forces. Lines. Yeah. They could have just that... gone for Star Wars Jedi, the college years, maybe. No, that's what it that's what it feels like. Animal House. Yeah. Um it's uh it's a great game. I used to play it a lot on original Xbox, I think. And um it is super RPG ish. Um, well, not quite as much as uh, Knights of the Old Republic is, where you are very much playing your own character. But uh, there's a lot, there's a lot more, there's a lot of RPG elements in Jedi Academy, um, considering it's a uh, uh, just a sort of single player 
thing where you tick off a level one after the next um, because you create your own character with limited options, admittedly, but you create your own character. You create your own lightsaber to start with. Then as you progress through the game, you can choose what order to do the missions in. Um, you can normally leave out one mission in a certain chunk. So you get sort of, you get five to choose from and you can, if you want, only do four out of the five and leave one behind and not have to do it, which is, that's that's nice. Uh you can choose force powers as you progress and go with good or bad powers and put different points in them, which is super fun. Then as you go further through the game, you unlock a new lightsaber stance and you can again choose between fast or strong. Um, and then as as you progress further, further forward still, uh, you're able to unlock the ability to use two lightsabers, uh, one in each hand, or... Uh, a double-bladed lightsaber, like the Darth Mauls. Yes, um, love him. And then, on top of all that, there is a sort of morality uh, branch in in the story later on, uh, sort of two-thirds of the way through, and uh, you can end up having a good ending or a bad ending. So, you know, there's quite a lot to choose from. You can play it in lots of different ways, um, and uh, the combat's just great. It's, I, I was saying in the stream last time, I've, I've done two streams of it now, um, but I was saying in the in the second stream that I think it's got to be uh, my favourite lightsaber combat of any game that I've ever played. Now, I've not really? played any any VR uh, lightsaber stuff before, but I'm sure that's probably pretty clunky, to be honest. Um, but I would say it's definitely better for me than um, Jedi Fallen Order. Um, and... Also, uh, Force Unleashed as well, which is a good game, but uh, mm-hmm. this is this is a lot better. So, thoroughly enjoying it, um, having a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, it's available. It's recently been made available on PS4 and Switch. I'm actually playing it on PC on Steam, but yeah, people can people in the chat have been saying that they've been buying it and having a go and enjoying it. So that's all good. Been having a Excellent. great time streaming that. Lovely. Yeah. What have you been playing, Ben? Well, I finished off Resi Zero. Yeah. That is not a phenomenal game. Oh, no. It wasn't that long, which was quite nice, but it was just... I ended up playing it with a guide because I just did not... It's it's one of those games where I just think, this doesn't respect anybody's time. I don't yeah. want to be running around like... You know, you've got to use weird things on weird... Th- it's just It's so close to just being an adventure game. Mm-hmm. the early Resi yeah. games, that it just sort of ruins any sense of of enjoyment for me. So it got platinum? You, uh, it does have a platinum, yeah. It does. Nice. Um, but it it just, yeah, I just, uh, I didn't think it was particularly good. I'm glad I played it because, you know, I got to experience that story and see those characters that pop up in later Resi games and stuff because yeah. it's all set before Resi 1. Uh, so that was, I, uh, from my completionist resident evil standpoint that's another it's another one i've finished so i've i've seen all of that which is nice and that's done but i'm glad it's done i've been playing a lot of resi 3 i am a lot i'm nearly done nearly finished it i heard it was like disappointingly short i've not i'm yeah uh, i'm starting it next week um but yeah it's about six hours long Okay. It's not very long at all, and it's quite expensive for a game that's six hours long. Mm. It's extremely polished, and yeah. uh, again, it's it's a very cool game, especially if you played Resi 2, 
remake last year because it's set in obviously in the same city. So there's a there's a lot of uh, location usage, but you get to see it before Resi Two happens. Right. Uh, so I think half of Resi Three is set before the events of Resi Two, and half is set after the events of Resi Two. Mm. From what from what I understand, anyway. So you get to see the outbreak as it's happening and go to various locations that are featured in Resi 2. And, and it's like, oh, wow, look at this. Can't go through this door, though. I, know, I, I literally said when I was playing it, I'm really interested to see what Boundary Break can find yeah. by flying through these doors and seeing if they've actually rendered anything or if it's just a shell. Uh, mm. Because that was a room in Resi 2, and I want to know if there's something in there. Uh, yeah. You know, it's very polished. Shooting's very good. I did just play through a bit last night that I found extremely annoying, which felt so not like anything in any Resi game I've ever experienced, where you literally just have to survive in a room against an, an obscene amount of zombies um, right. and various other antagonistic forces. And it's a very small room. Another thing that annoys me about Resi 3 is that the zombies just sort of... they They have maybe a two meter radius where if you're remotely near them and there is a button to dodge, but it's not very good and it's not mm. very clearly signposted when you're meant to press it for it to work. Uh, but if you're within that two meter radius, the zombies will just sort of magnetize to you. They'll just latch yeah. onto you and you can't throw them off. They will hurt you every time. Right. You don't have like tactical knives you can stab to get rid of them or whack mm -hmm. a, you know, a, a, a grenade in their mouth or whatever, like other resi games. You just get hurt. And that's extremely annoying, especially when you're in that claustrophobic environment that I was just describing against tons of zombies. And it's a section that just go, it just completely outstays its welcome and goes on for ages. And, and, and if you die at any point, you have to start the whole thing again. There's like a, a point that, that the lights go out halfway through and you have to get the power back on again in this tiny little room. But if yeah. you die after that point, you then have to start again and do all of it up until the power going out. And it was just a section that I didn't think was very good. And that stuck out to me so far as a bit of this game that I don't like. But that's the only bit, because I am I am really enjoying playing it through, and I'm enjoying being really thorough and going room to room and opening all the boxes and clearing all the rooms and making them blue and stuff like that. Um, yeah. As I said in the quipscope, I think I'm lucky in that I didn't play Resi 3 originally. So I don't right. know what I'm missing in terms of stuff that's being cut out. It's a highly polished Resident Evil experience that a lot of people will really, really enjoy. And there's nothing wrong with it beyond slightly dodgy zombie mechanics where they grab you. Um, that rubbish room <laughs> and stuff being cut out. But I don't know what the stuff has been cut out. I don't know that. So uh, enjoying Resi 3. Very good. Good. Continue to play Smackdown. Here comes the pain on stream. Yes, of That's course. going very well. Uh, mm -hmm. Barbara is the US champion now. It's extremely exciting. Uh, she's uh, in, in a faction called Da Squad with wow. The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. What a, what a group. Unbelievable. And uh, beyond that, I've played a tiny, tiny, weeny, tiny little bit of Bloodborne and uh, started Final Fantasy VII, which I've talked about on Quipscope and uh -huh. uh, did a stream of that. So you can go catch up on that now if you want. And that's me. Wonderful. That's what a blue. That's brilliant. Uh, very pleased to hear it. We've got a question here from Spotnik. Yeah. <laughs> would you like to would you like to read it? I shut you okay. Yeah, it sort of transfer transformed from I don't know what that first voice was, a brand new character. Right. We've got a question here from Spotnik. That's and then it saying. gradually sort of it went 
Oh, got a got a question here. Would you like to read it, son? Would he's worth a question? Huh? Yes. Huh? Huh? Off you go, son. Having been stuck in bed for the last two weeks, nothing to do with the C virus. Damn kidney stones. Animal Crossing has really helped me ma- maintain all of my sanity. There's a new another character for us. One yeah. thing that surprised me is that my mum wants to know whenever I'm playing it because she is loving watching me play Animal Crossing. She has no interest in video games whatsoever and this has got me thinking. What other games are there that non-gamers will happily sit down and watch you play and get engaged with? Hmm. Hope you feel better soon, Spunny. Absolutely, yeah. Kidney stones are, are terrible things. Yeah, get well soon. You should plant one and then you'll get a whole new bladder. Oh, lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh... Okay, well, I've I've got um, one one answer that I know uh, non gamers or at least a certain non gamer uh, likes to watch. Uh, when I first uh, got my PS4, you lent me your um, Drake collection, the uh, the original Uncharted trilogy yeah. for PS4, and I sat and played that because I I'd been uh, we we were also given a copy of Uncharted Four. Um, by by like the press uh, when we were at what culture so i had that i think i took that home um and then i just had this but I, I obviously wanted to play the original trilogy first so i was playing that and um my fiance amy who does not play games at all really outside of the sims and maybe a bit of she still plays theme hospital quite regularly which uh you know it's, it's relevant now i guess uh, persona 5 Persona 5, yeah, that was, I mean, that was a revelation when she actually played that <laughs> all the way through. That was, like, really her first... She doesn't like using two sticks at the same time. She can't really, uh, mm. you know, manage camera and character movement all at once. But she she learned how to do it with Persona, which was great. Um, but, yeah, she doesn't really play games other than The Sims. Uh, but she really enjoyed watching me play through all four of the main Uncharted games and would almost be a bit disappointed if, you know, if I came home from work and she was, you know, out with friends or whatever, and if I'd played a bit without her, she'd kind of want to know, ah, but what happened to Drake? He was in that cave with the Yetis. And what happened? There were were Yetis and now I don't know. Catch me up. Tell me. Um, So I think that just the cinematic uh, style of those games makes them super watchable, even if you're not into games. I think you still have to be into sort of vaguely into the action genre i don't think your nan is necessarily going to want to watch you play uncharted but um yeah definitely i think uh as long as you're if you like indiana jones you could definitely sit and watch the uncharted games particularly late like uh, the the as you progress through the series i think it becomes even more watchable i think the first one is actually very heavy on just gunplay really uh having played it again fairly recently i remembered like oh yeah this is there's really a lot of just sitting behind walls and shooting people, but um, but yeah, they they become more cinematic as you go. The other two games, though, that I personally I watched. I mean, I know I'm a gamer, but I think gamer or not, they're super fun to watch. I watched Everybody's Gone to the Rapture and Firewatch on YouTube in full, um, and I think those, you know, in a similar way to Edith Finch, I think that sort of kind of walking sim style obviously Edith Finch has a lot more gameplay to it but that idea of exploring a place and being very story focused narrative heavy um I think they're super watchable 
And, you know, the fact that everybody's gone to the rapture is actually voiced by certain members of the cast of the Archers. I think actually my nan would genuinely watch uh, a playthrough of everybody's gone to the rapture. It's just like an episode of the Archers, but with a visual aspect to it. Um, so, yeah, I think, quote unquote, walking simulators are super watchable, whether or not you're a gamer. Um, so and, you know, Firewatch is, is so beautiful visually, like the palette, uh, you know. Mm. You could take any screenshot from that game and frame it, and it would look great on your wall. Uh, and likewise, everybody's gone to the Rapture. You know, just seeing a quaint little English English village rendered in in uh, you know computer graphics is there's something about that that even though we've got it outside of our window right now, we can go and just look at phone boxes and stuff. Uh, there's something about just seeing it in a game that I think is really enjoyable. But yeah, those are those are my suggestions. Great suggestions. Everybody's Thanks. Gone to the Rapture is a great shout. I remember being so excited for that when it came out, and I have never taken more screenshots in a game than I have in yeah. Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. There, I have just so many. I think I got rid of them in the end because they were just mm-hmm. so there was there was about forty of them. Every every sort of new area I came to, I just framed it just right. Took a nice little screenshot. Yeah, perfect. It was a very good game, and uh, you're right. I think. Uh, Walking simulators, there's got to be a better term for that. And it's sort of gone from a derogatory name to sort of that's just what they're called now. But uh, those kinds of games do lend themselves very easily to people watching because gameplay can be really fun to watch. Like, I think Doom is really fun to watch. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as you said with Uncharted, you don't just want to, you know, people can lose interest. It's the story that people are interested in, not just they're hiding behind walls and shooting. Yeah. Um, but Animal Crossing is a huge one right now. And I think it might purely just be because it's video game chores, for want of a better term. Like, it's just right. very relaxing and simple. And, you know, you're going around and harvesting fruit and digging holes and cutting down trees and all that kind of stuff. You know, not the ch- not, not the kind of chores we can do in real life, necessarily. But yeah. uh, I think there's just something in- inherently relaxing about it that people are really latching on to. And it's um, interesting to hear that that extends to people who are just watching. Mm. But uh, in my own personal anecdotal experience, I remember playing Gran Turismo on PS1 and my dad was really interested in it because cars. And Mm. he used to to play on my PS1 when I wasn't to play Gran Turismo, even though he does that thing where he turns the controller with his hands while he's steering, you know that, to make it turn better because that's how it works. Uh, And uh, I had a similar thing with Resistance Fall of Man. When that first came out, um, my mum came into my room and I was showing her how amazing the window shooting physics were, where you could (laughs) shoot a pane of glass and like it would just splinter and fall away depending on where you shot it. And I was like, this is amazing. She's like, wow, that's so good. She was probably just placating me, to be honest. But um, I've never really had people watch me play games before. I've never really had that. I mean, you know, streaming and all that. But, you know, just just actually watching uh, and and sitting in and watching. But, uh, yeah, I think story-heavy games, definitely The Last of Us, that kind of stuff. Basically, the similar ones to what we were talking about at the beginning of uh, of the show in that first question. Uh, I think as long as there's a good story there, I, d- mm. I, I don't imagine anybody w- wouldn't be interested in watching unless it was inherently violent or frightening. And that just goes against their sensibilities because everybody's got different tastes. 
So it's a complete shot in the dark as to what someone would actually be interested in watching, especially if they don't play games regularly. Yeah. I remember um, when I was in when I was sort of primary school age, I had a couple of friends who, whenever they came over, they would happily just sit and watch me play single-player games. And my mum would always say, like, oh, let Matthew have a go of your game. She doesn't talk like that at all, but that's that's a mum voice. Yeah. Uh, but, she, you know, she would say, oh, you know, play, play a two-player game or let him have a turn on the single-player. And I would, like, offer it to him. And he'd be like, uh... Oh, well, whatever. I'm I'm just enjoying watching you. Like I remember playing Tomby Two. He really enjoyed that. There was another guy who came over, uh, Jonathan, who really enjoyed just watching me play the point and click uh, Escape from Horrorland game, um, and it would like help me like with solutions and stuff because he was a bit older than me, um, and he he like helped me with this really hard puzzle that I couldn't do. But he didn't ever want to play it, and uh, I think some people do just. They're as happy watching a game as playing it. I don't know what it is. I guess, you know, it's hard for... Maybe it's hard for me and you to understand because we'd much rather have a controller in our hand. But maybe it's just a personality trait out there that some people would rather rather just sit and watch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get like that sometimes. You know, there are certain mm. games where... Uh, particularly with Resi. You know, that was a game series that I actually yeah. used to really like watching. I used to avoid at all costs, and then I started to just watch other people play it, and then I started to play it myself. But uh, mm. there are certainly some games that I, I prefer to watch them play, just because I, I'm not that interested, or or if it's spooky, then I just don't want to. Just don't want to play it. Yeah, I found that with um, Dishonored. Uh, I I really like playing Dishonored, but I know there's um, there's a whole community of people on like on the Dishonored Reddit, or maybe not even on the Reddit, but um, where they enable like a cheat or a hack that gives them unlimited whatever the resource was called like mana but not mana you know mm -hmm. like the, yeah and um they then just try and do the most elaborate like crazy cinematic they're leaping around hop 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 like stabbing people it's it, and it's like an unstoppable force and they the whole point is to do it um kind of flamboyantly like there's this thing that a lot of people do where they they throw one of those um, spring bombs up into the air, uh, and then like they use time time manipulation and stuff. They move bodies around. They possess people, and then before the, the before the spring bomb lands, they've done all this crazy stuff like planting ex like explosives and firing darts, and then time uh, speeds back up again. And this whole like rube goldberg thing that they've set up all just goes off in one and the whole point is like people are just trying to show off to each other and you know really use the powers in amazing ways and uh that's super fun to watch mm. um i recommend just like checking youtube for that uh that kind of thing because there's loads of it and people do some really silly fun things uh, but yeah excellent um well it's time though yeah to, from to move one on. weird thing that you do in dishonored to mm. a weird thing that we're doing right here on this podcast. It's time for weird news. It's time for weird news. I don't have any oh, paper. God. Oh, uh, yeah, I was not. I've got some, okay. some post-it notes. So I'll just sort of... It's time for weird... You got it there? I'm just flicking, flicking through okay. a notepad. Time for weird news. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Weird news time. It's time for weird news. It is some weird news. Peter's got some weird news, I think. I have. I have. Um, I've got... Oh, boy. I mean, so this weird news story, like I think the last weird news story I brought to this podcast, and also the past couple of things I've brought to our other podcasts that we do, it's a bit visual, really, uh, which is not great for an audio medium. But I this at least... Uh, sort of gives me more scope to describe things. I think this works in a non-visual form, but you should definitely, definitely check out the link that we will post in the description of the YouTube version of this podcast. Um, In fact, I will send it to you now um, because, you know, we should at least get your reaction. Okay. Terrifying model shows what avid gamers could look like in 20 years. Okay, I have a lot of questions. The fact that it's from Lad Bible already yeah. raises questions and concerns. It does, doesn't it? So Amy sent me this. It came up on her Facebook feed. She doesn't follow Lad Bible, I don't think, but someone has shared it or something like I that. I can't believe games makes, you, makes your hair thin. I know. So, right. So first, when I heard this um, headline, I thought it meant, oh, in 20 years' time, a certain subsection of of uh, humanity will have branched off into their own subspecies, which I thought, that's not going to happen in 20 years. What is this terrible news story? Right. But what I realise is, is what it is, is that researchers have made a model of what could happen to someone who is addicted to games. If they continue to live out that addiction for 20 years, this is what that individual could end up okay. looking like. So, Lab Bible in... in- in expected fashion has completely undersold for the purpose of clickbait when really what we're looking at is someone who has acute addiction to playing video games and not going outside and they've just described it as avid gamers i'm an avid gamer i don't have an addiction i play maybe two hours of games a day at most yeah um i mean in the first line of this article written by claire reed uh, on as you say on lad bible it says, researchers have created a model of what a gaming addict could find themselves looking like in 20 years' time. And let me tell you, it's not pretty. Now, we immediately move on to the second paragraph, which tells you all you need to know. The model, 
which has been named Michael, was created by OnlineCasino.ca. Oh so, my you know, god. A really, uh, a, you know, reliable, valid, scientific study here. Um, but what I'm going to do is cut straight to the diagram, uh, which is annotated with a whole load of different issues that this gamer is suffering from. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks like some sort of troll. Yeah, it's uh, horrifying. proportions are all messed up. Uh, so we have got indent in skull from pressure and overuse of headphones. Oh, uh, God, no, that's not, <laughs> no. How tight are those headphones? Yeah. What kind of headphones are you wearing? <laughs> and how soft is your skull? It's like a newborn baby. I think if you put headphones on a newborn baby, it could maybe cause issues. But Yeah, maybe. Um, dark circles around eyes from sleep deprivation and excessive screen time. Mm-hmm. Bald patches from lack of sunlight and vitamin D. Bloodshot eyes. Irritation from staring at a monitor. Hairy ears. And it, for what? the reasoning for the hairy ears, it just says lack of air circulation. What? Does that... Do you get hairy ears if there's not enough air circulation? What is that? I don't understand. Oh, my God. Um, hunched back and round sh- rounded shoulders uh, from poor posture over time and from lack of movement, it says. <laughs> I think they'd be uh, more likely to die from DVT than they would, you know, mm. some sort of uh, blockage. In some in some vital artery than they would. Well, I think we get there later. It's one of the last ones. But is he? Just... Does he look like this because he's been dead for a while? Well, it's entirely possible. Yeah. Um, the next one just says obese from increased food intake and lack of exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, eczema, stress induced. It says I don't know why they've decided that. That you know, well, maybe I guess addic- uh, you know addiction is is probably going to be inherently stressful, but still. Uh, pale skin, again, from deficiency, deficiency in vitamins B12 and D. And then there's just an annotation pointing towards this lumpy wrist on one of his arms. And it just says, first person shooter. <laughs> uh, where all the others have named the ailment. And in this case, it's it's naming the the cause, which is weird. But So he's got first person shooter's wrist. It's like tennis elbow. Um, oh, my God. And uh, what that is, is excessive use of mouse and keyboard causing numbness. And he's got a sort of lumpy wrist. Uh, he's got PlayStation thumb, apparently. Yeah. Specifically PlayStation, not Xbox, mm-hmm. uh, re- which is RSI from excessive use of a controller. There are blisters on his fingertips from excessive use of controller or keyboard. Okay. Um, he's got trigger finger which is a, an RSI on his trigger finger. Nintendo arthritis. Yeah. Ulceration on hands from excessive controller use. We've got two left, and uh, here they are. You called it. Varicose veins, poor blood flow from sitting uh, for long periods of time, and swollen ankles from lack of movement. So I do think he probably is supposed to have deep vein thrombosis as well. Yeah, um, he probably would have just died. If, if, there, if it was ever going to reach a point where he could look like this... He probably would have died. Yeah. Or something else. Yeah. I think so. 
Um, gaming addiction is now recognized by the World Health Organization as an official psychological disorder and is distinguished from healthy gaming by impaired control over gaming, increasing priority given to gaming over other activities to the extent that gaming takes precedence over other interests and daily activities and continuation or escalation of gaming despite the occurrence of negative consequences. Oh. Oh, yeah, God. so just a regular addiction. Uh, it's good that it's yeah. recognized. A lot of people took issue with this. It doesn't mean because you sat there playing your video games that you're an addict or that people think you're an addict. It's people whose who's inability, who can't stop playing games when their life mm. is falling down, you know, around them. They're just As stuck a result inside. Of it. Yeah. Um, this is the most um, insulting and inaccurate and probably dangerous thing I've ever seen shared around. Isn't it dreadful? It's horrible. It's, it's just medically not correct in any sense. Are you, I'm surprised, though, that onlinecasino.ca couldn't get something medically correct. You know, all of the doctors who work weird, there, you would have thought. That, yeah. Um, it's also strange article... that the Land Bible haven't linked to the original post. Yeah, it's true, actually. Um, yeah. Oh, right down at the bottom. It does actually say you can check out the full research here. Oh, uh, so God. There is, a, there is a link okay, at the very yeah, end. Looking at it now. But um, the article ends with um, researchers have shared five tips to help avid gamers stay fit and healthy. And they're all fairly simple enough, it says patronizingly. Um, number one, exercise. Regular exercise and stretching will help keep joints in good condition and tackle obesity. Number two, prevent eye strain. Keep the room well lit, etc. Number three, healthy diet. Make sure you eat a balanced, nutritious diet. Number four, posture. Remind yourself to sit properly and support your back. And number five, hydrate. Make sure to drink plenty of water and avoid excessively drinking fizzy drinks. It is right. so patronizing, isn't it, this? It is. Here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. um, now looking at the original onlinecasino.ca website. Yeah. I'm just wondering why on earth they've done this. Why would they do this? I is don't know it... why an online casino would do it, yeah. Because in the top right, it obviously says Online Casino, published by onlinecasino.ca, and you can click through and it will take you to their web, their homepage where it's got mm. all the games that you can play. It says uh, the, the percentage of the payout. Is it because they're trying to, in a very, very insidious and horrifying way, attract, at least in some form, in, 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 a, in a lot of ways, many people will be clicking on like you or I, who are just like, what the hell is this absolute nonsense? But some people who do have addictive personalities and who saw this and thought, okay, I mean, I play a lot of games. Maybe I want to have a look at this and work out what on earth this is about and why I might look oh, like that God. in 20 years. And then they'll click through and see a load of casino games. <laughs> is there a connection there? Because I can't see any other connection between onlinecasino.ca publishing a model of what someone with an addictive personality will look like in 20 years uh, I can't see another connection there. Why Why on earth would they post that if they weren't trying to lure vulnerable gamers in to play their games and it just spend a load of money? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Because why... Because essentially, online casino gambling is, is not really much different from... from just online gaming in another form. You know, if, you, if you're addicted to online gambling, I guess medically you would be diagnosed with an online gambling addiction rather than a gaming addiction. But, they're, mm. you know, if you're sitting at your computer playing roulette, um, it's, it's, it's kind of akin to just sitting and, and playing cards in The Witcher, right? So you would think it would be problematic 
um, for the casino to to reveal to people, oh, by the way, you shouldn't be sitting at your computer all day playing games. Like you would think that it would be in their interest to try and convince people that it's fine to uh, continue yeah. to sit at your desk and keep gambling on their website. So I don't know what vested interest they have in this, other than maybe trying to look good. Like, oh, look at us. We're really responsible. We might be an online casino and uh, profiting off people's, you know, as you say, addictive personalities. But it's mm. fine because we once did a study about the health aspects of gaming and we're trying to make people better. So I guess it's they're just trying to, you know, look good and... And, uh, I just don't get how this makes them look good, though, because they get ridiculed. They're, they're getting ridiculed yeah. because this is nonsense. But also there's definitely a crossover between people who play video games and people who play video poker or video casino games like the apps on their phone and so on. There's definitely a crossover there. If you're do- if you're covering this subject material, like look how sensationalized and nonsensical this is what a gaming addict will look like. And some people probably who fall into that category of leaning towards addiction with video games, certainly playing way too many, with personality types that would probably suit them to play a lot of casino gambling games, will Mm. see this on a casino gambling website. It only takes one click and then they're presented with a full page full of ways to lose a load of money. I, I don't want that to be the case, but I can't shake the idea that why on earth else? would a casino website post this nonsense if it wasn't to try and bring in new customers? This so, Sorry, we're dwelling on this for a very long time now. We should move on. But there are sources down at the bottom. And I clicked on the one that was for the, the pressure on the skull. And it just links you to... They've searched Google Books for the phrase, Can bones deform from constant <laughs> light pressure? Wow, what a <laughs> scientific it, study. Yeah, and it just takes them to a page where some of the keywords are highlighted, like the words bones and light and deform come up in a couple of it's ridiculous. People should check out the sources on this. There's a there's a there's a whole thing on um like gamers thumb, video gamers thumb <sighs> in uh on a on a website about, you know, health and so on. And under the free dictionary by Farlex Medical Dictionary, there's an entry called Trigger Finger related to gamers grip, um, which is uh, yeah, just talking about like RSIs and stuff. But Jesus. God, the, the sources alone on that page are a real oh, they're, they're a whole other rabbit hole to go down. But we should we should probably move on. Just don't give uh, OnlineCasino.ca any business whatsoever. No, just don't. I mean, what a load of crap. And what a load of potentially quite insidious crap as well. So uh, steer yeah, as clear. Say, as you say, gaming addiction is a real thing and is not a load of crap. But, you know, I would rather take my medical advice and my information from the World Health Organization or other such reputable sites yes. than gaming online casino, casino.ca. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. So ridiculous that they might be trying to bring in new customers. So yeah, don't don't go there. Possible. Just don't go there. Okay. My weird news is from Mm. Push Square. Random is what it says. PS5's DualSense controller shares a name with washing machines, gas detectors, and hair serum. Oh, what, DualSense? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. 
Sony may have shocked us all with the reveal of the PlayStation 5's new controller, but perhaps more alarming than its form factor and color scheme is its name, <laughs> DualSense. To emphasize the idea of touch, the manufacturer has decided to reboot its long-running DualShock branding for the first time since the PlayStation 3's ill-fated six-axis controller. Surprisingly, though, it's not the first product to be named DualSense at all. In fact, while the Japanese giant is marketing and selling a completely different type of product with its pad, there are potential legal hurdles that it may have to overcome, as the trademark is already owned by multiple different organizations. First, there's a freestanding washing machine from AEG. The new combi washer-dryer with DualSense technology tails the temperature and drum motion to different fabrics and adjusts programs to the specific load, the product's blurb <laughs> explains. Everything from... I don't know why it continues. Why do, why do we need to know so much about AEG's <laughs> Combi washing dryer? Then there's the industrial scientific gas detector. Dual sense technology uses redundant sensors to determine the, de- the concentration of the target gas in the atmosphere and reduce the risk of an instrument failure. It then continues on like that. And that's not all... The name DualSense is also attributed to a type of hair serum and mattress toppers. Sony's Whoa. legal team will have done its due diligence, of course, and the PlayStation blog states that the platform holder already owns the trademark for the controller's name. Seeing as none of these products are competing, it should be fine, but it's interesting nonetheless. It is interesting, but it's a bit of a nothing story, isn't it, in some ways? Oh, yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's, very, it's, it's good weird news, but it, uh, in terms of, you know, that was written up as though... Again, it's a bit clickbaity. It's a bit saying like, "Oh, there might be issues with that name." Oh, guys, what's <laughs> going to happen? It's not me and you know. We're not legal experts, but we know having had run-ins with trademarks in the past. Oh boy, that it's to do with like um, the crossover of certain industries. I mean, that article tells you all you need to know. If there's already four different products out there with that name in their trademark, mm-hmm. evidently. Lots of products and and services can coexist with the name DualSense, provided they're not stepping on each other's toes. And trademarks fall under certain categories, you know, entertainment, uh, catering, you know, uh, utilities, all that kind of thing. So you can have the same name uh, trademarked in different categories. So that's clearly what's happened here, is that Sony have checked, can we have this if it's for an entertainment device? No such entertainment device exists under that name. Yes, of course you can. The end. Excellent. And that's all there is to it. Yeah, I think it was more... The article is, as I said, as you said, sorry, for for weird news. It's just sort of, Mm. you know, it's not meant to be... The fact that it was titled under random, it wasn't like breaking news. It was very much brought out from the angle of there's going to be no real issue here, but it's quite funny that it's under the same name. Yeah, no, it is funny and interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me in a way because Dual Sense is quite a good. I quite like it, Dual Sense. Yeah, as a name. I feel like Dual Sense is is definitely a term that I've heard elsewhere. Right yeah. at various points. It sounds like a contraceptive, doesn't it? Dual Sense. You reckon? I think. Yeah. Dual Sense. Yeah. I feel like touch, dual touch, for his pleasure and hers. Yeah, exactly. Or his and but, his. Or his and his, or hers and hers. You know, they, yeah. everyone can use condoms if they want. Yeah. For whatever you want. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. Another question from Mm -hmm. Gavin Peter. From Gavin Peter. Gavin Gavin says, 
Hey, new patron, first time posting. Wow. With the world on fire, I'm not spending as much as I usually would on cider. So I thought it's about time I tried paying you for content. Novel idea, I know. <laughs> well, thank, thanks, Gavin. Thank you. Uh, Gavin says, what's your most impressive rage quit? What, if anything, did you do to overcome it? And how has it scarred your psyche since? Am I just angling to hear another rendition of Ben versus the Adamantois from Final Fantasy XV? We'll never know. Please stay safe, and thank you for the impressive amount of work that the whole Triple, ju uh, triple Jump family is putting in at this most ridiculous time. Big love, Gavin. His name is actually Big Love Gavin. Big Love Gavin. Big Love Gavin Peter. Yeah, Big Love Gavin Peter. Thank you, Gavin. Yeah. Thank you for supporting us as well. Indeed. Uh, okay, so what are we dealing with here? We're dealing with rage quits, yeah, and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I will. I'll, I've never spoken about the Adamantois on here. No. On this podcast before. Uh, that was uh, an optional super boss from Final Fantasy XV, and there was a trophy for killing it. And it is a stupid boss that uh, doesn't even do that much damage to you at all. It just has so much health that when I went to fight it at the end of the game with all of my characters super leveled with all the best stuff... It took about 45 minutes to an hour of just holding attack before yeah. it died. It was just, a, as much as anything else, it was a time investment. And I got about three quarters of the way there. I can't really remember anymore, but I got really close. And then Final Fantasy XV was a great game, but it wasn't perfect. And the Animatantoys, for some reason, this giant mountain of a tortoise suddenly rotated on the spot, video game glitch fast, about 90 degrees, and it shot my character about six miles across the map, so far away from the Adamantois that it ended the encounter and it went back to being a mountain again. And yeah. I had to start again. And that made me quite upset. But I didn't actually rage quit. I just... I think I left it there at that point. I was like, okay, I... It's such a time investment. I I know I can do it. I'll come back to it another time. And then I went back and I did it second time and it was fine. But it was just really annoying. It was just like the game the game broke and therefore I wasted my time uh, for a long amount of time. And uh, yeah, but that was awful though. Uh, most of my rage quits have come from trophy related stuff in the past mm -hmm. where I've just been like mad and I've thrown a controller or... I had an Assassin's Creed Unity special edition box <laughs> in the corner of my room at one point, and I just like kicked it really hard, and I kicked it, and I broke the box. But it was just the oh. box. There was nothing in it. It was just the empty box. Um, but yeah, usually it's it's difficulty-related trophies, things like Mass Effect 2 on the hardest difficulty, and stuff like that, where you just reach a level of such frustration that you get the stress-induced eczema that you see on the Michael model from onlinecasino.ca, uh, yeah. the world's worst website. Um, but uh, luckily, I'm rage-quit-free for quite a while. I still get frustrated when playing games. Who doesn't? You know, it happens. Mm. But it's not something... Rage-quitting is not something that I do anymore. I seem to remember headlines at the time of the release of Final Fantasy XV where they were saying things like... They were saying, like, the Adamantois takes... Like ten hours or something. No, and I can't remember. Maybe from the start, perhaps. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And then they, 
it, it turned out that that's not what it was. I think it, it maybe was just literally just a false rumor that started spreading around and no one had even was even fact checking it mm. or just, you know, less reputable, uh, less reliable outlets were just taking the story and running with it immediately saying, oh, yeah, it takes like 10 hours to kill the adamantoids. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, like lad Bible. It's, yeah, exactly. Online <laughs> casino.ca. Uh, and then it turned out it wasn't the case. You know, it took maybe an hour or whatever. But anyway, um, yeah, I think I've talked in the past that about about rage quitting and stuff. And I don't really, I never really used to smash controllers and stuff. I think because I just knew that I'd be in too much trouble if I did it. So I've, I've never broken a controller. I've never really thrown one or, or you know, wrecked a a console or a telly or anything or or a wall um but i do remember sort of almost angry crying uh when i was very young playing tekken one and getting to the final boss heihachi who was just really hard to defeat i mean <laughs> subsequent heihachis in in the other games n- no issue at all they're just kind of the same level as everyone else near enough but uh back back in tekken one he was super tough um and then in in a few other Tekken games after that, the final bosses have been really tough on and off. Like in Tekken three, no issues whatsoever. Tekken tag, pretty pretty doable. Tekken five, oh my god, Jim Patchy, who's Heihachi's dad. Um, Jim Patchy. Jim Patchy, yeah. Okay. He turned into this big sort of demon form where he had a big toothy jaw across his belly, like his whole belly turned into a mouth. And he could spit fireballs at you um, without really any warning that would do massive amounts of damage. He used to piss me off a bit, but really the worst, the worst like fighting game boss I've ever fought was the Tekken 6 boss, Azazel, who uh, was this sort of crocodile thing, pink crystal crocodile wearing ancient Egyptian garb who was twice the height of any other character in the game and would just just sort of fly around and just absolutely flatten you. Uh, It it was just ridiculous. It was unbelievable. Um, And that really did piss me off to the point that I just stopped playing the game. Like, I just, you know, I tried to... You know, I would eventually defeat him a few... You know, you... In a Tekken game, you you run through the story with a new character every time, and you unlock a character every time you defeat the final boss. And I would get through it maybe two or three times, and then at that point, I was just kind of thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I've I've defeated this boss eventually like three times, and now I'm done. And I never really played much Tekken Six after that. Um, the only other thing that comes to mind is some of the bosses in Kingdom Hearts were were real tough. I had a, a real hard time with um, Maleficent, who had two forms, which I didn't even know about. So just fighting her while she's just the evil queen with, with horns was hard enough. Uh, and you would finally get her health bar down to zero. It took me so many attempts. I was like, yes, yes. And then she just turned into a dragon like she oh, does in the film. For God's sake. What and then she'd suddenly, suddenly have loads more health again. I think it did checkpoint at that point. So that was good. But still, by that point, you'd used all of your items and potions and stuff. So you had nothing left to fight the dragon with. Mm-hmm. Um and also Sephiroth was in that game and was ridiculous. He had a, an ability that um, would get rid of all your magic, like mana, and he would put your health down to one HP. Good so lad. you had no mana to heal yourself with, and you had no health. 
and if he hit you once, you would die. So you had to have loads and loads and loads of like health potions and uh, mana potions with you at all times. So that's, that's my big spooky boy there. Yeah, that was real tough. That's how um, he does it. So yeah, they they really used to get me in Kingdom Hearts. Oh god, excellent. Well, I mean, you know, games continue to be frustrating from time to time, but you know, it's not all uh, it's not always doom and gloom. No, unless. Could that be what we're talking about in a big discussion? I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. You'll just have to find out on the other side of this paper shuffle in, in because it's time for the big discussion. Big discussion time. The big discussion today comes from David Lever. The recent Nintendo Direct Mini revealed the Handsome Collection, Bioshock Collection, and XCOM 2 for Switch. However, for Borderlands and XCOM, the cartridge is only 8GB with a massive download to get the rest of the game, more than the Switch's internal memory. Larger cartridges are available, but would increase the price. What are your thoughts regarding massive day one downloads like this? Keep up the good work and stay safe, David. Day one downloads, massive day one downloads are they were they really retracted from one of the good things that console gaming had over the top of PC gaming mm. um or over not over the top of over PC gaming uh which you know PC gaming is still an issue as Ben and I have discovered over the past few weeks just trying to set things up sometimes that it's just super difficult like trying to get a server going to play multiplayer online or, you know, if you've got the wrong, like, graphics card, or if your settings are wrong on, like, your system settings on your computer, you can have issues. That's all a big problem. But one of the things that consoles always had over PC gaming was that it's just plug in and play. You just pop the disc in, and it would just run. You know, back in PS1, PS2 era, that was one of the great things. Whereas, you know, I'd, I'd buy a PC game from game, and then I'd have to install it for ages. Now I feel like that's been lost really um you know not only do you have to put the disc in now and it actually has to install the game from the disc to an extent but then once it's done all that you try and launch it and it's like oh <laughs> hang on let's just download this 22 gig update first before we do anything um so i think that's one of the that's the biggest shame about that is that it's no longer uh, able to look down at the pc quote unquote master race and go ha well at least we don't have to wait for massive installs when we get our first yeah how are your drivers doing yeah uh yeah you know this 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 does happen uh if we're talking patches then you know that's just a problem with every game it seems um but this is really an issue for switch users yeah in this case uh, yeah yeah, the the other home console uh, owners don't necessarily have because the hard drive space is massive. Switch games are clearly inherently just smaller in size. And so when you're porting over these games that are on other consoles, it raises just this whole new issue of, mm. you know, because of course the Handsome Collection is about God knows how many gigabytes, 50 gigabytes, something like that, maybe even more. That's not going to fit yeah. on a tiny cartridge anyway. And the rest just is going to have to go. There's no way around it. It's not good. It's not an ideal solution. I really do feel for Switch owners that want to play these games but are going to have to look into further internal storage or memory cards or whatever to to try and bulk up the memory so they can actually play these games, or the storage, I should say. Um, But this is just... 
unfortunately, one of the issues with playing games on Switch, or at least one of the issues with playing third-party games that have been on other platforms on Switch, because they are just bigger than what the Switch is really natively capable of, hand, uh, of handling. Uh, mm. You know, you've got, got The Witcher 3 on there. You've got, I can't remember if Doom's, Doom 2016 has made it onto there yet or not. Um, I know it was going to go on there. I'm not entirely sure. But these games, they run fine. You know, they've had to have a downgrade so that they can actually run on the Switch. But at the same time, they're still big games. You know, they still take up a lot of space. And it's a shame, of course, and it sucks. But that is just... It's just a problem that Switch has that no one else does. And you're playing games that come from a place that don't have these problems. And I don't really know how that problem could be solved other than to necessitate more storage in the Switch. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not something that's completely exclusive to the Switch either because, <clears throat> excuse me, we had the same issue with um, the initial release. I'm sure this did actually happen in the end, didn't it? Um, with the Spyro Reignited trilogy. Yeah. Uh, do you remember they only had Spyro 1 on the disc and you had to download the rest of it? I think now they have released... There's like a new build available where everything is in in fact on the disc, but yeah, no, certainly it's it's an issue about the the amount of storage on the on the the medium in question, and um, yeah, no, it's it's a difficult thing. We've got a quote here from Tech Radar, haven't we? Um, yes, which is well. While the inclusion of these AAA games on the Switch is to be welcomed, we're getting to a point where physical game cartridges simply can't cope with the amount of data needed to load up modern titles. Right now, buying these games on cartridge amounts to little more than a bulky redeem code, and we still require you, and will still require you to use up most, if not all, of the Switch's 32 gig internal storage. There are thankfully plenty of good micro SD cards for the Nintendo Switch worth considering, which can expand your storage capacity several times, uh, but it really does defeat the purpose of a physical release. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean, I remember this is this kind of feels to me like. Um, you know, this, the some of the initial worries people had about the Switch is kind of like finally actually catching up to the Switch itself. Because when when it was first announced, it seemed a bit too good to be true that you had this like little portable thing that, you know, everything was played off a tiny little card and, you know, you could take it with you, but it was meant to be kind of as good as, you know, the AAA home console gaming that we were used to. And yeah, as I say, it seemed a bit too good to be true. And although we have had a few things in the meantime where, you know, games have been ported to Switch and they've had to have a downgrade on their graphical fidelity, etc., so that they can run properly, um, this really does feel like, oh, okay, no, now now really there are some holes in the system here and we're having problems. If you if you want to put Bioshock Collection and XCOM, or well, actually not, not Bioshock, that's doing okay, but Borderlands and XCOM uh, onto the console, there's going to be a problem there. It's, you know... It's a bit worrying for the for the future of the console, I would say. Yeah, I mean, as long as Switch continues to put out great exclusives and have games developed specifically for it, that console will always have its place. It will always it will it will always exist in its own, as we've said before, its own sort of little stream, just doing whatever it wants. It doesn't. It's not bothered by what Xbox and 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 PlayStation are up to. However, there are tons of fantastic, incredible third party games on those platforms that. Switch players, understandably, will want to play. However, mm. due to just the inherent nature of how the Switch is designed, it either won't be able to to handle it full stop, or it'll be a downgraded version. But either mm. way, 
it's going to take up a lot of space and it's a console that doesn't have a lot of space on it. And yes, you can buy additional storage, but that is just, as David said, adding to the, the cost of these games. You're going mm. to have to f- uh, factor that in or maybe even just have one game installed at a time, which doesn't sound like the end of the world because a lot of PlayStation gamers have to do that because games are so massive now anyway that, that they do take up a ridiculous amount of space. And that's not even taking into consideration patches. You know, these day one patches, Fallout 76, 50 gigabytes, the size of the original game patch day one. Didn't fix anything at all anyway, but it was an online game where you had to have that. And if the Switch really starts to look into bringing more of these multi-platform, big budget AAA releases onto Switch, especially if they want it day and date uh, with the PS4 and Xbox One releases, for example, then they're also going to be faced with these patches. They're also going to have to deal with it. And when you've got that on top of a a console that can't really handle games of that size because there's just not enough room, it it almost completely just bricks those consumers off from ever experiencing those games on Switch, which is kind of a shame, but it's just... I don't know how they could get around it, really. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. What You know, when I say... You know, I worry for the future of the console. I don't mean necessarily whether it'll be able to continue because, as you say, you know, there's fantastic first-party stuff on there, um, and they will Nintendo will always be able to design games for the Switch that they know will run exactly how they want them to run. You know, they've got an excellent roster of of characters. They've got some, you know, some great IP that they can always fall back on. So that's that's no issue. The, the Switch will continue to put out great content. But yeah, if if the if the Switch players want to still be able to because they've had a taste for it now as well it's almost like you've kind of shown them like oh look we can play the witcher on the switch we can play skyrim uh and they they it's now kind of um making these people think like oh yeah you know it, i should be able to play these AAA games on my switch why shouldn't i and now as things catch up and you know games are inevitably only going to get bigger and bigger as we move towards the next generation um you just you do feel uh, you do feel for um the the switch gamers who signed up thinking that they would be able to kind of stay up to date on the big triple a titles and i worry for the for its future in that sense that um mm. you know it's it could just prove to be a bit of a, a disappointment or it could it could fall behind to a, to a certain extent behind the uh behind sony and microsoft and you're right that nintendo I don't think they're worried about whether or not they do fall behind Sony and Microsoft in that way because they are trying to kind of forge their own thing and be this this portable mini console. But I still think you know it's worth it's worth them not being too complacent mm. uh, in that regard. No, definitely, definitely. Yeah. We'll see what happens as uh, hopefully those those games do end up making their way onto Switch, and if we if we see many more, I mean, there's clearly a reason why we don't see. A lot of these AAA games on there, they 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 definitely attempted that with the Wii U, but the Wii U had this ridiculous touchpad tablet thing that a lot of people didn't want to work on. And it, mm. again, it's just that disparity between what Nintendo wants to do and what the rest of the industry wants to do. And in a sense, that's what makes Nintendo so special is because they're doing their own thing. But when it comes to this, this is a prime example of why things would need to be different if Nintendo was to properly get back on board with the multi-platform AAA industry. And some people, they're not that fussed. They don't even need that. They don't care. Yeah. They like that it, 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 that it isn't there. But when we see examples like this, this is why 
that stuff isn't there. It's not because Nintendo doesn't want it. It's because Nintendo can't have it because of the decisions they've made to make their console unique, which is a good thing. It's good to be unique. And mm. they're clearly doing something very right with Switch, but uh, we will see as as more games do or do not make their way onto the platform. Yeah. Because uh, I'm sure a lot of people would have loved to have had uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order on their Switch, you know? Yeah. Play that on the go. Yeah. There's a lot of games that would be amazing on the go if they would run, but they're just too big. Not mm. Let alone the power of the hardware. Clearly, what a lot of people maybe didn't realize uh, is, is that they're just too big. They're just too big to even fit on it, full stop, yeah. even if they could run. Yeah. Yep, you're right. Well, there we go. Let us know what you think in the comments below. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do via the following means. Triple jump. Team triple jump everywhere. Not triple jump. Team triple jump everywhere. Yeah. YouTube.com forward slash te- uh, team triple jump. Twitch.tv forward slash team triple jump. That's where we do all of our content. We stream uh, over on Twitch at the moment, um, pretty much exclusively, but we certainly have streamed on YouTube in the past and will continue to do so in the future. Uh, we're modded by Lord Brotovich and Cecil Proms when we're streaming, so thank you to our stream mods. Social media, twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump. Luke Eldon is our Facebook social media man, doing a great job. Thank you, Luke. We've got a Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash, you guessed it, Team Triple Jump. That's where we have all kinds of different rewards available. You can ask questions on this podcast. You can access a special Patreon-exclusive room in our Discord, which incidentally is bitch.ly forward slash Team Triple Jump. Discord is modded by Jack, Joe, and Crimson Dragonfly. Uh, If you want an audio version of this podcast, if you're watching on YouTube, you can go to play.acast.com forward slash s forward slash triple jump there's no team there no and uh the website triple jerk.mup we've got a careers page over there and right now there is a posting for a full-time in office uk newcastle based video editor so if you want to actually come and work for us with us in our office and uh you think you've got what it takes to edit with the best of them that's not me that's our our other staff they're the best of them (laughs) Um, then head to triplejerk.mup, check out the careers page. There is a downloadable thing there where you can um, uh, get like a, a trial a trial edit and so on. Uh, so show us what you got. Uh, finally, our new channel uh, where we're putting our VODs is available at the moment at triplejerk.mup forward slash VODs. Um, we will probably, well, we will inevitably have a custom YouTube URL for that at some point, but we don't have one right now. Um, but uh, yeah, Ben will tell you about that, I'm sure. There we go. Absolutely. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, you can do at that Peter Austin at Ben Potter 20 and on Twitter at that Peter Austin at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday and Thursday streams every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. Thursday being the joint streams, plays it and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday being the solo streams. Worst games is fortnightly Friday for patrons, Sunday for everyone else. It's not a worst games ever week this week. Podcast every Saturday. We try to do shows every so often. There is actually a show that just went out on Friday. That was Main Menu. Hope you mm. enjoyed watching it. Why don't you go watch it now? That's the last one we've got for a while, obviously. So uh, do savour it, much like you would the delicious food that we cooked <laughs> on this show. Please leave us a review 
on iTunes or your platform of choice. It helps something to do with Al Gore's rhythms. We've got this VODs channel, as Peter mentioned, triplejud.mup forward slash VODs. Going on there will be the solo VODs. So when Peter and I stream alone, those VODs go on triplejud.mup forward slash VODs. It's going to be an official Triple Jump VODs channel. Just the solo streams, the joint streams, plays it, that we do on Thursday, will continue to be uploaded to our main regular channel. But if you want the solo VODs, triplejud.mub forward slash VODs. We've got every single uh, VOD bar a couple um, mm-hmm. since we did the switch over at the beginning of the year. So there's a huge backlog of stuff for you to watch there. It's not all live yet because we're trying to hit the threshold of 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 hours of watch time. Uh, and once we hit that, we're able to monetize the channel and actually make it financially viable thing for us to do. So for now, there's just a few things on there. But if you can go and watch those, give it a subscribe. As soon as we hit the threshold, you'll have four months worth of back catalog of VODs to watch. And all of the new VODs as they air uh, will also be going on there immediately afterwards. So make sure you go check that out if you can. Um, did a video this week, little experiment in The Sims to see what would happen if uh, a sim version of me went into self-isolation for seven days with no social contact, not being allowed to go outside, and uh, with total autonomy, just to see what would happen. That video's up on the channel now if you'd like to see that. And we've also been uh, asked by the BBC to put together a podcast for them, which is now live and out on various platforms. You can listen to it on the BBC Sounds website, full stop, but the podcast is called uh, BBC Original Pilot Material. They're doing a series on gaming at the moment. Uh, currently, it is. A, it appears to only be available on their website, but I'm told it will be going on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and stuff like that. So if you want to go listen to that, we are, uh, I believe, episode three in that series, or episode four, and mm-hmm. you'll see it because there's a picture of me on it. And it's about, uh, and it says it says the Triple Jump podcast in in the description, and it's about getting into game development and all that kind of stuff. So go give that a listen when you can. And our thanks Absolutely. to the BBC for asking us to be involved. It's very cool. Yeah. Right, I'm done now. We've got a sponsor. We have, yeah. Uh, this is sponsored by the um, the the Sony Microsoft Dual Touch washing machine. Um, it's, it's a combi washer dryer mm. and it works on every console because it's manufactured by Microsoft and Sony and Microsoft and Sony, probably Nintendo as well. Just look at it. It looks like it's, it looks like it works on everything. I think Sega had something to do with this as oh, well. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. a, it's a multi-purpose, multi-format, multi-platform, multi-generational, mm-hmm. uh, multi-geological era controller that works on your, um, your, Mattress covers, mattress toppers. Oh, amazing! Fantastic. Wow, that's uh, that's fantastic. Dual sense, it's it's coming at you right now. You know, forever. it just makes dual sense. It does. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're gonna go now. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Oh, we didn't decide where we were gonna walk today. Oh, I mean, people have I already been seeing it for the whole episode. But where do you think we should be walking today? We've done a dessert. We've done the Grand Canyon. We've done the Windows Vista Hill. North Pole. Go to the North Pole. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed the North Pole, everybody. Thank you very much for listening, slash watching, and we'll see you again next weekend. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.